United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, and we have two outstanding guests. Becky Burley is in the news, a true friend to the association. 26 amazing years at Florida, where she won a national championship in 1998. She was retired, was planning on just teaching at Florida, which she's going to continue to do. But she gets a call. Orlando Pride of the NWSL, loaded with superstars. They needed a new head coach. Amanda Duffy reached out. Next thing you know, she is the interim head coach. I hope they get rid of that interim, and I hope she continues to have success. She already has tied the North Carolina Courage. She's already beaten Chicago on the road. She'll have a tough contest against Portland this weekend. But Becky Burley, everybody loves her at United Soccer Coaches. She'll kick off the show, and what a great interview it is with Becky. John Lowry has done so much at St. Thomas D3 forever. By the way, he played at Ohio State, where he was a two-time All-Big Ten goalkeeper. He coached at UMass Amherst. He coached at Ohio State. He coached at Wake Forest when they beat Ohio State in the 2007 National Championship. He's been at St. Thomas 10 years. Now they go to the Summit League. Now they go to Division One. Unprecedented from D3 to D1. John Lowry, the men's soccer coach at St. Thomas, the Tommies, Becky Burley, John Lowry, after this message from Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We're kicking off with a dear friend to the association, Becky Burley, who is now the interim coach for the Orlando Pride. She's played two games. She's had to go on the road at North Carolina, got a tie there, had to go on the road against the Red Stars, got a win there. I was able to call the game against the Red Stars. And Becky Burley, after 26 amazing years at Florida, she retired, she's on vacation, and now she's the coach of the Orlando Pride, and she's on our podcast now here, courtesy of United Soccer Coaches and the Orlando Pride. Becky, welcome to the show. It was it was crazy. Let me just tell you, it was crazy. Well, let's get into that. So tell yeah, tell us the story. You're on vacation. You get a call. Like, give us all the details. Well, I was. I I mean, I was kind of working on my classes that I was going to teach at UF in the fall, and sort of just taking it easy. I was actually fly fishing the week before in Montana. <laughs> Went to Colorado, and while I was in Colorado, I get this phone call from you know Amanda Duffy with the Pride, and she's like, "Our coaches." leaving for man U, and i was like oh yeah let's let's talk about some ideas maybe toss some ideas around she's like well i have one it's you i was like really <laughs> and, and then it was like a whirlwind 48 hours like i i think that happened on a wednesday i got home early from vacation on friday went to orlando on saturday and observed the team playing a game and then monday we were on the training field it was that fast <laughs> 
any reservations at all? Or is it one of those things, Becky, where you've given so much to the game, you're like, why not? Was it more of a why not type situation? Yeah, I mean, I have always said um, there's no way I would want to coach pro. I mean, players have asked me in the past. I'm like, no, no, definitely not. And when this opportunity came up, it was just different because it was like, first of all, it was trying to fill a gap for a need in situation and, you know, my home market team. Um, secondly, I think it was just like, when do you ever get a chance to sort of drop into a team midseason and experience something like that? Um, and I thought, you know, if this, if this situation is something I did said no to, it would probably be something I would regret. And, and I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't know what to expect coming into this team. I didn't know how the players would react to a college coach. And I didn't know if they'd be like, oh boy, here we go, like a college coach. But they've been ex exceptionally receptive and helpful. And um, we've asked them for a lot of feedback. They've provided a lot of feedback. And I just appreciate the fact that they've been welcoming. And what was the reaction of your family, of your partner, of the University of Florida? How did, what did they all say? Well, I, I made an arrangement so that I could still teach my classes online at UF because that was really important to me. I think, um, you know, we were trying to launch these What Drives Winning uh, master's level classes and we're still going to be able to do that. Um, and it's kind of been cool because we've integrated some of that What Drives Winning material that we've presented at the convention before with this team here in Orlando. And now, like, we have this amazing case study that I can fold into my class. So it's I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, but then the rest of everybody, I mean, I de definitely had some people who were like, this might be the craziest thing you've ever done. And I'm like, well, you know, it would, it would definitely go right up there. So, um, but I think again, like, you know, my family and Celia, my partner, like just, I think they were like, wow, like it's kind of a cool opportunity, but just go for it. Well, indeed you've gone for it. Did you expect though this much success? Because I mean, it's one thing to play a game, right? And like, let's say Florida's starting their season and they decide to maybe play, you know, a little cupcake as they're talking about. There's no cupcakes in this league no, run, right? And the North Carolina Courage are amazing, especially at home. Chicago's legit. I mean, you must be over the moon with your results here to start. Well, I think it's just been, honestly, the, uh, the reception of the team to new information. I think that's been something, first of all, the ability to give information to pros and then have them execute it. That's amazing. I mean, that's something that's like, they're just so smart and they pick up things so quickly. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then I think secondly, um, just their willingness, you know, their openness, they have been very um, open-minded to new information and a new way of teaching and a new way of playing because we're playing quite differently than they played prior to our arrival. Um, but I think they've enjoyed having some freedom in the way that they play. And for us, we know we're going to make mistakes. So we're just not focused on the mistake. We're focused on the reaction to the mistake. And they've really bought into that. One of the things I pointed out on the broadcast is that you coach Abby Wambach, you coach Heather Mitch, you coach Danielle Fotopoulos, and there's 30 more, you know, almost at those level at that level. But those are three big time superstars with big time personalities. So I got to believe the notion of coaching Sydney LaRue and Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris and Alex Morgan and Marta, that part of it probably didn't scare you because you've already coached big time personalities, right, Becky? Yeah, I think people are people, you know, I think if you can al align self interest, that's what people want, you know, they want to 
feel that you can advance them in some way. And I think um, for me, like I'm kind of a service oriented coach anyway. So for me, that, that really hasn't been an issue. And I've, I've never shied away from big personalities. I like when players express themselves on the field and off the field. Um, I'm a get curious, not furious kind of person. So it, to me that that's not really any different. And, and I've enjoyed um, learning more about, you know, the issues that a player with, you know, 2 million followers has to deal with. I mean, that's, that's a whole new world. Well, I like that. Get curious, not furious. And and one of the things that clearly Chicago was getting a little furious in that second half and Roy Dames to his credit has been a great, uh, I call him one of the best at adjusting at halftime, but I feel like you handled all of his adjustments after the half and during that second half. And you did it in this kind of calm way. The camera kept showing you, you were really calm. You were smiling. Is that how you're going to ride it, Becky? Is that how you always ride it? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I feel like I need to um, counteract the game, you know, counterbalance the game and, and Chicago was coming at us in the second half. They really put on a lot of pressure and, you know, they had some near misses and we had some great defensive plays. Um, But I think at the same time, like, I don't want to ride the wave of any game. Um, I want to be there, you know, pretty even both when we're doing amazing things and when we are doing not so great things. And again, like for me as a coach, like if I can't model doing the next right thing, then I can't expect my team to do that. So for me, I, I'm just trying to move on. We, we make a mistake. Let's move on. We'll fix it the next week or the next day in practice. But in that moment, we just need to move on. I've heard you talk a lot about it always being bigger than you, that it takes the entire coaching staff. So you already told the story about uh, you're out in Colorado, you're on vacation, you got 48 hours, you get it. But you had a couple calls you need to make to assemble your coaching staff. Can you break that down for us, Becky? Yeah, well, I knew that, you know, Alan Kirkup, who had been with me forever, um, I knew that he hadn't taken another position. I knew he'd been playing a lot of golf. I, I knew that because his handicap was really low. <laughs> and, um, and I called him. I said, all right, you sitting down? He goes, no. I said, well, maybe you need to be because I got this crazy idea for you. <laughs> and so I told him about it. And he's like, well, let me talk to Anna. And he talked to her and called me back. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So it just was you know, it was kind of the perfect storm. I mean, he was available. It was really comfortable to have him come with me because he knows me. I know him. I've known Alan since I was 17 years old. And then another part of it too, is the two other coaches that are here, uh, Lloyd Yaxley and Sebastian Hines. I mean, that's a tough spot to be in. You know, you're coming into two new coaches who know each other, who don't know you, but they've been amazing too. I mean, the two of them have been huge helps in kind of filling in the gaps of knowledge that we needed but at the same time, like being really supportive of doing things in a different way. I love that answer as this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast with Becky Burley, the interim head coach of the Orlando Pride. We'll step aside, pay some bills, and be back with more Becky Burley after this. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We're joined by Becky Burley, the interim head coach of the Orlando Pride, who tied North Carolina, beat Chicago this weekend. And you're finally home, right? Your next game is at home. Who are you playing next, Becky? 
Oh, just a just a small team called the Portland Thorns. Who is in the first place. <laughs> I mean, it's a you know you're right. There are no easy games in this league, and that's this is certainly one of those tough ones. Well, it doesn't hurt to have Marta. She, of course, was great again in the Olympics. And I understand you just met her like almost right before the game. And I guess the players told you that, hey, she's going to want to play. I think the word was that you weren't maybe going to play her if she didn't want to. Can you just talk about that little dialogue? Because not only did she play, I was actually on the broadcast saying, you know what? Don't take it to the corner at the end. Just find Marta. And your team was finding Marta. That's better than going to the corner. But break down the conversation with Marta. She played almost the entire game and then you gave her this great tribute by taking her off and I'm sure even the Red Stars fans had to appreciate what they saw in Marta well I mean what an amazing player you know and and what an amazing worker I mean she's a great teammate too I think that's an overlooked part of Marta's game that she's just such a great teammate and willing worker on the field both out of possession and in possession but yeah, I was I literally she came to training um, on Friday and we had decided to meet prior. I was going to try and meet with her on Thursday, which was our day off, but she had a lot going on just getting back. And so we met Friday morning and I sat down with her. I was like, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, what are you thinking? Do you want to play this weekend? And she said, yes, I, I would like to play. I said, do you think 90? And she said, well, um, let me see. I'll, after training today, I'll let you know. And so then, um, you know, after training, she's like, oh, I feel great. I feel fine. And so then, you know, we travel on Saturday and then on Sunday, she's like, yeah, good to go. And so she, she, I mean, that's tough. I mean, think about that travel, think about the, the grind that the schedule of the Olympics is. And then for her to step in and play 90 and not only just step in and play, but like play really, really well. She was a huge factor for us. Yeah, I marvel at her, and I even made the comparison how Michelle Akers eventually moved back from a great forward to, you know, a, a holding mid, how Sink has changed her game, and I think it's incredible that she's not won a gold medal, and Marta over the last couple of years has changed her game, but still remains relevant, remains so vital, and remains still the GOAT, I think. It's kind of cool how she's adapted, right, as she's gotten older and still is an important piece of, of your team, Becky. Super important. I mean... Her change in the point of the attack was was a featured part of what we were trying to do. And her ability to find space, I mean, gosh, she's just a maestro. It was fun to watch. And other players that are fun to watch are also veterans. And, and you're another case, this Ponce de Leon, Fountain of Youth, you know, you returning. I hope you stay. I don't know what your plans are. Maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. But I mean, Ashlyn Harris, world-class saves. You got Krieger, who's now the assist maker, right? That great run against the Courage, the bomb over the top to Taylor. And then Sydney LaRue might be the MVP of the league. I mean, she's a mom of two kids and getting it done. I mean, these are veterans still playing like they're 18 years old, Becky. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit on it. I mean, two assists in two games for Allie Krieger. I mean, she's been amazing coming out of the back. Um, Ashlyn just keeps us in games. I mean, she's the save maker. I mean, whether it's a penalty kick or whether it's the run of play, I mean, she is just, she's been outstanding. And, and then you look at someone like Sid, I mean, you know, I think what was overlooked in that game with Sid was obviously she scored and she was dangerous all the time. And I saw that that was one of uh, Chicago's keys to the game was could they contain her? I'm like, good luck with that. <laughs> um, but her defensive work is amazing. I mean, oh. she tracks people like no other. She had some huge defensive headers on set pieces for us. I mean, I think she really had a complete game in that Chicago game. 
Oh, I was talking about it all the time. I mean, she was on corner kicks huge, but there was one time where she came down on the 18 to make a defensive play in your 18 on the defensive side and was back on the other 18 to get it done. I mean, you're right. Absolutely. And then you're also finding great things out of youngsters. You know, I've called Marissa Vigiano for years at Northwestern and she's returned to form, I think, with you there, Becky. What have you seen in her? You know, she's so consistent, um, you know, players like her and uh, Maggie Doherty Howard, who obviously I knew really well because she played at Florida, like those players are, they're just link up players, you know, they just do such a great job of keeping possession through the middle and making sure that um, we're linking the forwards and being able to switch the point of the attack. And I think they are some of the unsung players of this team. I know that one of the things I talked about on the broadcast is how you're such a steward and how you're so approachable. And when you go to the association and I have so many people on my show, I always say this, they're like, you know, when I go, I see Anson Dorrance and I see Becky Burley and they always talk to me no matter what. I mean, and it's Anson Dorrance and, and Becky Burley with that. How have you embraced the other coaches of the NWSL? Cause maybe some of them, you don't know as well, Becky, how has that gone? Well, it's funny because the first game, you know, I was a little nervous because, of course, I had no idea what I was doing yet. <laughs> I didn't even know. Like, I knew we had um, five subs, and but I didn't know we had three opportunities to sub five. So that was news to me on the bench during the game. Um, but I was a little nervous going into it. But and then I get there and, you know, Dino's on the sidelines. Um, Paul Riley's on the sidelines. Uh, Sean Nahas, like all people I know. And so then I was like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. I know these people. And so same thing, you know, in Chicago, I know Rory, I've known Rory forever. Um, so I think there was a little bit of comfort in those first couple games, feeling like there were people I knew on the sidelines and, and everybody has been very uh, welcoming to me. I have not felt um, any sort of uh, resentment or feeling out of place. I think everyone's going out of their way to make me feel really welcome. And speaking of welcome, I got to believe knowing how much you're loved by United Soccer Coaches, and they are so thrilled that you're on this week's podcast. Please admit to me that your phone blew up, whether it's the Women's Coaches <laughs> Advocacy Group or any of the great advocacy groups or the leaders of United Soccer Coaches. Please tell me it blew up, Becky, when you got this role. It, it did, for sure. Uh, and I felt that support from everybody because, you know, there were a lot of people who were just really excited to have a, another female coaching in the league. Um, there were a lot of people who were excited to have a college coach in the league. Um, that hasn't happened as often either. And so I just think it's been kind of cool to see like the different groups and how they've supported it. Like we just played uh, UCF with our reserves this morning and, you know, Tiff and her husband are just so excited that we're here in Orlando and so supportive. I mean, they've got seats right behind our bench for every game, like season tickets. And I just think it's like, it's cool because like having these relationships through college that now like sort of transcend in the, the pro game is pretty neat. So I have two why questions for you. And that is why has the association been so important to you? And why are you always, you know, with your arms open to everybody? Why, why are you like that Becky with United soccer coaches? Well, I think that the convention was like something like early on in my, even as a, as a college player, like, um, so my college coach was Joe Pereira. His college coach was Hank Steinbrecher. And, you know, the convention was a big thing. Like we were, you know, you got to go to the convention as a player, if you were all American. So that was quite an honor. I never, I never experienced that. But as soon as I became a coach, you know, going to the convention was like the thing to do. And so I, I think I've been to every convention since, um, probably 1989. Um, 
And so for me, that was an important thing. It was, it was sort of a little bit of a way to connect, but it was also a way to give back. I think there was a lot of part of that. And then as far as like just the, the open, you know, my arms part, you know, I played D3, I coached NAI, now I've coached D1 and now I've coached pro. So I feel like I've kind of spanned a lot of the association. I haven't coached youth soccer, um, but I feel like when I was a young coach, there were so many people who sort of paved the way for me and Hank being one of them, Joe definitely being a huge one. And without those people's introductions and connections, I'm sure I would not be where I am now. And so if I can provide that for other people going forward, I think it's sort of something I need to do to give back. Another tough one. Why did you retire at Florida? What made you <laughs> want to step back? Well, some of it I think was just opportunity. You know, there was an opportunity to, to get these master's level classes in place at UF. And I love the idea of trying to impact the next generation of coaches because I feel like, you know, I started coaching at Barry College when I was 21. Um, I had graduated in May, became a head coach in June. And although that's like a very unique situation that would probably never happen today, you know, I still feel like a lot of coaches get kind of thrown into coaching without very much preparation. And so to be able to provide some background of like a very practical background going into coaching, that's what we're trying to do with the classes at Florida. Um, and so to me, that opportunity wasn't going to happen all the time. Um, and I felt like it was time for Florida to have a change. I, you know, the, the great part about having one coach all the for the very long time, which the whole time at Florida was me, was the continuity. The bad part is, is, you know, you sort of miss opportunities to grow as a program because it's the same voices, the same people. And we all know that like when coaching changes happen, program upgrades happen. And so I think it was just time for that to occur. And I really love Florida and I want Florida to be really good. And, you know, at one point I was like trying to time it. I was like thinking, how could we make this so that whoever comes in will move into this new facility that they're building and then COVID hits and that puts a hold on that. And I'm like, I don't think I should be planning my life around a construction project. <laughs> so that that's when I finally decided to, to make the decision. And it was hard. It, it, was, it was not an easy decision, but I, I knew that, um, once I started thinking about it, like teams deserve someone who has like their full heart, energy, everything into it, because that's what college coaching demands. And for me, when I started thinking about these classes and being able to do that, I knew it was time for me to step in that direction. My final question is a why not? Because I got to tell you, Becky, I see that twinkle in your eye. It looks <laughs> like 26 years ago when you were starting at Florida. <laughs> And I say, why not? If you can get through this gauntlet and get Orlando into the playoffs and have some fun with it, why not get rid of that interim tag? What's your answer to that? <laughs> well, you're not the only person who has mentioned that. You know, I think it's, uh, it's fans are fickle, like we're two weeks in. So, you know, everybody might love it now, but I'm sure we're going to have some tough times too. And I think my goal is to, to take this organization in the right direction. And regardless of whether that's me staying beyond the interim tag or whether it's staying during that time, I think there's some good changes we can make. It's, it's kind of crazy because it's a little bit of a, a synergy right now. You know, you've got a new coaching staff. We have new ownership here in Orlando who seem very excited about the women's program. Um, and I, I feel like all these things coming together could really put Orlando as the destination place for players in the NWSL. And if I can be part of making that happen, then I'm excited to do that. 
That's a great answer. Becky Burley now with the Orlando Pride. Got the tie against North Carolina. Got the win on the road against Chicago. And now faces the best team in the league right now, the Portland Thorns. Becky Burley, a dear friend to United Soccer Coaches. Thanks so much for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I loved it. Thanks for having me on. You loved it. I loved it. And I'm sure everybody at United Soccer Coaches is going to love hearing from Becky Burley, especially after getting the tie against the North Carolina Courage and the win over Chicago. Who knows? Maybe she can get it done this weekend against Portland and keep this thing rolling and perhaps remove that interim tag and return for several years as the head coach of Orlando Pride. Coming up next, John Lowry, who played at Ohio State. He coached at UMass Amherst. He coached at Ohio State. He coached at Wake Forest, who ironically beat Ohio State in 2007, one year after he left John Bloomstaff at Ohio State in the national championship game. What a story that is. But a bigger story is St. Thomas, the Tommies in Minnesota, becoming the first men's Division One soccer school. Of course, they're playing D1 and just about everything else except football. They're now at St. Thomas in Minnesota, right there in the Twin Cities. John Lowry, former United Soccer Coaches D3 National Coach of the Year at St. Thomas. I think it's unprecedented. Jumps from D3 to D1. They actually have exhibition games coming up against Notre Dame and Wisconsin, and they get rolling. They'll be in the Summit League where they'll face Smiling Bob Warming and Denver and all those great teams. John Lowry, the head coach at St. Thomas, going D1 men's soccer, and he's our next guest when we return on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Becky Burley, the interim head coach of Orlando Pride NWSL for kicking off the show. Now we're moving on. I'm so excited about our next guest as well. Starting his 10th season in 2021 as the head coach, John Lowry, continues to elevate St. Thomas men's soccer. After he was named head coach in April 2012, it didn't take long for Lowry, just the fourth head coach in the program's history, to raise the Tommies to new heights onto the MIAC and National 
national scene. A Division Three National Coach of the Year in 2016, Coach Lowry will now lead St. Thomas in Division One soccer. That's right, D1 soccer beginning this year, and I'm so excited to talk to him about that. But before we do, a little bit more about Coach John Lowry. John was an elite soccer goalie as a player he competed at both the ncaa division one college and professional levels as an assistant coach he learned from some of the finest d1 mentors each of whom is the all-time wins leader for the respective schools working under sam coke at umass amherst john bloom at ohio state and jay vidovich at wake forest he has minnesota roots as an apple valley minnesota native lowry was named the 1994 gatorade minnesota high school player of the year he played collegially at the ohio state university and was the first Buckeye ever to be twice named first team all Big Ten. He later enjoyed a four-year professional playing career in both the United Soccer League with the Minnesota Thunder and Carolina Dynamo and in Major League Soccer with the Tampa Bay Mutiny, San Jose Earthquakes, and Colorado Rapids. Upon retirement in 2003, Lowry began his coaching career as an assistant coach at UMass Amherst for two seasons before returning to his alma mater in 2005 and 2006 as an assistant to help the Buckeyes reach the Big Ten championship match and NCAA tournament. Ironically, in 2007, Lowry moved on to Division I powerhouse Wake Forest University as an assistant coach and was part of one of the most successful soccer programs in collegiate history. Wake Forest had a record of 43-4-3. He spent two seasons as the nation's top-ranked team, produced nine Major League Soccer draft picks, and won the institution's first NCAA National Championship, ironically, I say again, in 2007 with a 2-1 win over his alma mater, the Ohio State Buckeyes, down the road from where I'm doing this interview at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. Lowry holds an A license from the United Soccer Federation, as well as having an advanced national diploma from the United Soccer Coaches and completed his master's in sport management from UMass Amherst in 2006. He and his wife Gretchen are the proud parents of two boys, Owen and Isaac. And as I mentioned, you're now a D1 head coach, John. That's so awesome. Your team will play in the Summit League Conference and start the season on the road against Houston Baptist after playing exhibition games against Wisconsin and Notre Dame. It does not yeah. get more D1 than that, coach. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast and congrats on taking St. Thomas to D1. Thanks, Dean. It's always it's good to see you and thanks for the kind intro. Yeah, it's 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 really an amazing time here. You know, I, I think one thing that that really resonates with me is that this is going to be the first and only men's Division One soccer program in the state of Minnesota. So, you know, in this in this local community with Minnesota United and with so many great so many great people that have come out and and been part of the soccer community, we've never had this in our in our home. We've never had this in our state. So, you know, there's there's just a huge responsibility to be the the first ones to do this. I think St. Thomas is is built for this. We have a great infrastructure. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard. We're going to have to, we got, we have some catch up to play, but uh, the summit league has been incredibly welcoming. And so many of my colleagues across the country have been incredibly welcoming just to, just to get our feet on the ground, to, just to put a schedule together, to be honest with you. We had, we had about 15 months to put our schedule together. So there, there's been a lot of excitement. There's a lot of excitement around it. There's been a lot of challenges within it. And I'll tell you what, we just had our first practice this morning and, uh, and it was it was emotional. It was it was the first time that we've had uh, a Division One soccer program on our on our field. So, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool, man. We're gonna we're gonna go for it. Well, let's talk about how cool it is. And because this is a podcast, we have all day. So, 
explain how in the world you go from D3 to D1. How does it happen? And and talk a little bit about where St. Thomas is. And don't leave anything out because this is really cool. Yeah, I think it's a great story. And I think as more people hear about it over the next couple of months, because they're going to see us at a, at a national level, they're going to ask the same question. And you know, the, the, the best answer is, you know, we have been a proud member of the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference for a long time, probably close to 100 years. And that's been at the Division Three level. You know, a couple of years ago, things started to evolve within the conference where we, we have had a history of success. We're a larger school in our conference. And, and long story short, there, the, I think the first domino was the presidents of the universities in our conference got together and quite simply voted us out. You, you can't be here anymore. So the, the second thing, and I think probably more important than the first was while this was all happening, you know, St. Thomas has been putting together a strategic plan to expand our, 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 our message and, and, and become uh, more of a nationally recognized private Catholic university. And in doing that, you know, I think they, they, they saw athletics as being a really good vehicle to kind of get that message out, you know, whether it's men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, basketball, whatever it is. Let's, let's get out there and let's play these teams and let's get into different markets. So it kind of fit the strategic plan, you know? And then the third thing was the, the Summit League came to us, from my understanding, the Summit League came to us and said, we'd love you to be a member of our conference. And there's practical implications to that. I mean, we're, we're a major media market. I think we're the biggest market that they have. Um, we have a great institution. We have a great infrastructure. We have a completely revamped administration. Uh, led by Dr. Phil Esten, who came. He was the he was the uh, assistant AD at Penn State. He brought over some other Penn State people. Uh, Phil's been at Cal Berkeley. He's a D1 guy to the bones. And this thing has just kind of exploded, you know. And then we went into a pandemic, and uh, we still had to figure it out, you know. So it's unique. It's it's never been done before. And uh, I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to to take this to take this on. As the well, and I already mentioned all your ties to D1. You played at Ohio State. You yeah. coached at all these D1 schools. So it's got to be something that you've dreamt about for a long time. And to do it in your home state of Minnesota, it doesn't get any better than that, does it, John? You know, I'm kind of pinching myself. I mean, I, I first of all, I have a great, I have great admiration and love for St. Thomas. This is a great place. I love working here. I love the people here. Uh, we have great students, great faculty, great staff. We have great facilities. When you kind of look at it in totality, you know, I, I came out of Ohio State and I knew I wanted to be a college soccer coach. And, you know, John Bloom and I used to always talk about that. I'd always tell John, like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, some of my friends are like, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I was like, I want your job. You know, I want to be a college soccer coach. And then I got into it. And as you mentioned before, I had the great, you know, Sam Coke got me into it. He gave me a grad assistantship. He gave me a couple bucks a week to buy lunch. And we figured it out for a couple of years. And then I got all the way into the Wake Forest program with Jay and, you know, kind of hit a crossroads personally. I think it was at the end of the 08 season, we lost in the final four with Wake. And, uh, and I kind of just, I kind of just had an itch to, you know, maybe find a place to settle down, have a family. I, I didn't really need to prove anything to anyone. I just wanted to be happy and, and, and do what I love. And, and then these opportunities in Minnesota came up and now I'm at St. Thomas and, and to bring it full circle for this to be going division one now. It might sound kind of cheesy, but it's a dream come true. And just so everybody knows, it's not just the men. The women are also going D. Our whole department. Yeah, our whole department. So we're yeah, men's basketball, women's basketball. I think we have 21 sports. Um, 
yeah, men's, uh, I'm sorry, football is going to play in what they call the Pioneer League. It's a non-scholarship league. I think there's teams all over the country from San Diego to New York to Florida and now in Minnesota. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a buzz going on around here. And, you know, I think we're trying, frankly, we're trying to figure out how to figure it out. You know, it's kind of like you, uh, you bought the house and now that now you got to pay the mortgage, but we're, we're getting there and we're just taking it day to day. And we, we understand that there's going to be growing pains, but we're, we're super excited to be in a new, um, we're, we're super excited to be in a new, uh, new place. And, and, and the people in this new place have been really welcoming. Well, you said you love St. Thomas. It's right there in the Twin Cities, correct? How close is that to where you grew up in Apple Valley? Yeah, it's about it's about 20 minutes. So like 20 minutes south of here. So we're right across the Mississippi River separates Minneapolis and St. Paul. I can I can see the Mississippi out of my office window pretty much. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're in a unique part of St. Paul where, you know, you can get to Minneapolis in 10 minutes. You can get to downtown St. Paul in 10 minutes. But we're in a neighborhood at the same time. You know, we're, we're just off a historic street, Summit Avenue. It's a very cool little part of town. And, um, you know, we have 6,000 undergrads. We have a graduate school over in Minneapolis. It's, it's a pretty bustling campus community. Let's go back to the comment you made about how hard this is because you had the pandemic and it's unprecedented to go from D3 to D1. So talk about what you've done. Have you brought in transfer players? How did the recruiting go? Because that was a long dead period. How did you do it, John, to, to be ready to roll out? And man, I mean, you got St. Cloud State University, then, then you've got Wisconsin, Notre Dame, your exhibition season. That's legit to get going here. Yeah, I mean, to think that we're going to be at Wisconsin a week from Friday is pretty, um, it's pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, but you know, it's, you got to jump in someplace and you got to jump in at some time. So we're doing it now. You know, I think, I think the unique part of it was, I think there was a little bit of a blessing in the pandemic from a perspective that we had a lot of time to plan. You know, we couldn't train, we couldn't play, we couldn't do a lot of things, but what we could do is we could build our budgets. We could build our infrastructure. We could build our culture with our players. Um, we could see what was going to be important to us because, you know, the, the, the real, the thing for me is like, for us to pull this off, it's, you know, people are going to look at us this fall and, and they're going to say, okay, what's their record? You know, what's it going to be? And, and the way that we're looking at it as is success for us is going to be putting the foundation on a really strong division one culture, having great relationships with our players, having a great student athlete experience, you know, being, you know, the best that we can be in every opportunity and then learning, quite honestly, learning from what we need to know. Um, we've never played Wisconsin. We've never played Notre Dame. We've never played Denver. Um, you know, so are we going to get it right the first time that we play them? I kind of hope so, but at the same time, I don't know. And we're going to have to learn and just continue to get better and build our culture of uh, what, what we know is going to serve us well going forward. Back to my question, though, do you have transfers that came in like oh, yeah. from other schools? <laughs> yeah, so we, we do have transfers. We have uh, we have five transfers that are in. They're all D1 guys. We have six freshmen coming in that I think are of D1 quality. This this was this 21 class was the first year that we had scholarship money. So we were able to leverage that a little bit with bringing bringing in some new players. Um, so right now we have a roster of 27. Uh, I believe 12 of that. 12 or 13 of them are brand new to the program. And then we also had a couple transfers join us last September. So uh, in total, we're, we're, we have 71 transfers that have come in over the last thir 12, 13 months. 
We're here with John Lowry, the top man for the Tommies, St. Thomas University out of Minnesota, going D1 soccer this year in the Summit League. We're going to step aside and be back to tell more stories with John Lowry on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Two very special guests, Becky Burley and John Lowry. John Lowry, take the Tommies, St. Thomas University in Minnesota to D1 this year in the Summit League. One more question about the Summit League. You know, of course, Smiling Bob Warming is in the Summit League. <laughs> I think Denver's in the Summit League. Oh, well, yeah. you got some big-time teams in the Summit League, Coach. Yeah, no, it's – you got Jamie You got Jamie Franks doing a heck of a job at Denver. For me, you know, they've been they've been the standard the last couple of years following what Bobby Muse created there. Uh, you know, Bob's doing a great job at Omaha. You know, I, I think, you know, Kansas City is an up and coming program with a relatively new coach. Oral Roberts had a great year last year. Eastern Illinois has got a relatively new coach. I think he's going into year two. And, and then you've got a, a long term uh, proven head coach at Western Illinois. So it's going to be it's going to be a battle. And kind of what I was saying before, I mean, one of the benefits of having a lot of time to myself and uh being able to kind of like look at what we're getting into is I got to watch, I got to watch all the summit league teams play last spring um, and, and rewatched it and just started to, you know, through video, get acclimated to what their players are like, what, what tendencies they have, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to avoid? So we, we had a little bit of prep time, but we're going to jump right in. And, you know, the, the conference has been so welcoming Commissioner Duple's been awesome, and we're just excited to be a part of it. So it, it'll it'll grow soccer in the Midwest, Upper Midwest. Well, I'm not asking you to win a championship this year, but you know what it's like to win a championship. And ironically, as we're talking right now, Austin Deleuze, who I'm calling a game with tonight, says, "Say, tell JL I said hi, by the way. But yeah. how crazy is that? I, and I didn't even realize it. You know, I knew you played at Ohio State. That's part of the reason why I'm wearing this hat. Yeah, I knew you coached at Ohio State. But the year you leave is the year the Big Ten Network launches and yeah. Ohio State wins the Big Ten title. You're at Wake Forest, and there you are on one bench. And yeah. in fact, there was a picture that we did. I did a Wake Forest UNC game, and there's a picture of you and all these famous coaches, right, that were with Wake yeah. Forest and have gone on to do great things. And Bobby Muse was in the crowd, I think. And, I mean, it was just nuts. I didn't even put that together. How wild was that for you to take on your alma mater and beat Ohio State in 2007? That's got to be one of the greatest memories ever. It was surreal. I mean, I, I know, you know, I was so focused on getting my role done for Jay, you know, for Viddy and the guys and for Austin. I just, I just wanted to do my job, you know, and, um, and I knew, I knew that team was so prepared to win a national championship. I knew it from the day I met them, you know, the, the quality of their training habits, the quality of their character, the quality of their, their, their overall soccer ability. I mean, I just wanted to do, I just wanted to do my job and, and, and then let them get what I thought they deserved because it was a great group of guys. And I didn't really think about anything else. And then um, when the when the draw came out, 
we, we, I remember we were in the lower right of the bracket. Ohio State was on the left and, and John Bloom and I were texting each other and, and we, and he, I'll never forget it. He, he jokingly texted me and he said, Hey, we'll see you in the national championship. <laughs> and this is before a game had even been played. Wow. And, and I was kind of like, I looked at it and I was kind of like, yeah, okay. I, I dealt that. And then, <laughs> and then they, they kind of, they kind of went on a little magical run on their side of the bracket and we took care of business on our side of the bracket. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the even crazier part about it, Dean, was that was the one year that Sam Coke, Sam Coke brought UMass to the final four. All right. So, so I show up and I show up and carry with the guys and, uh, I got Sam Coke there. I got John Bloom there. I'm working for Jay Vitovich. And then I you know, we wind up playing Ohio state in the final. It was a heck of a game. Um, it was, it was, it was really surreal. And I was so happy for Ohio state to make it that far. I, I was thrilled for Jay to get his first national championship. Um, and it was just, yeah, sometimes sports can do crazy things. And, and it was a, it was a unique experience that I'll never forget. You think about the great players, you know, obviously at the end of the day, coaches need great players. And like you said, you're bringing in some transfers and you clearly had some good players that were yeah. playing D3 and then had to wait a little bit because of COVID. But you think about the, you know, Roger Espinosa, I think scored for Ohio state. I can't yeah. remember who scored for Wake Forest, maybe Tracy. I can't remember. Do you remember? Shalosky and Marcus had the goals. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just talent all over the place. And, and Austin Deleuze wasn't even a starter on that team. Was he? I, I think generally he was, I, I mean, he played a lot, you know, the, the funny part about it too, like talk about the connections. Uh, Jamie Franks was a midfielder on that team. And now he's the head coach at Denver. So my, uh, my rival now is uh, a former player that I used to work with at Wake Forest and Jamie. So it's, there's, there's a lot of, and, and Zach Shalosky's on his staff, you know, so there's a little bit of Wake Forest blood pumping through the summit and we're going to have one. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a hell of a time uh, spending time around each other. So tying it all together, it's going to take some time, but you think about going into the summit and you think about the goal of making the NCAA tournament. What is your approach towards winning championships, whether it's in the conference or eventually winning an NCAA championship? Because I'm not going to let you tell me that that's not the ultimate goal, coach. I can't let you do that. Yeah. You know, Dean, you know me well enough where I, I'm, I'm only wired one way where I, that's, that's what I want. And that's what I want for our program and the university. Um, you know, this is a challenge that I've, I never envisioned. Um, I never, I don't think anyone has planned to take a D3 program to D1 and then, you know, kind of see where it goes. But I, so I, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you. You know, I think the, the first thing for us is going to be, um, you know, we got, we got to get the, we got to get our culture, right. We got to get the infrastructure, right. We got to get, you know, we got to get the right guys that buy into the right program and we got to represent the university the right way. And, 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 and take care of all of the details that division one athletes at a high level take care of. And I'm so, I'm so fortunate to have learned from some of the best where I know, I know the details that need to be covered. And, and then we need to recruit, you know, we need, we need to bring kids here. Um, I'll tell you what, it, a lot of people don't know who we are. They don't know where we are. If, if you take the time to come on our campus and when we bring kids on this campus, there's not a lot of people that don't like it. We got great academics. We got a beautiful, we got a beautiful setup. Uh, great facilities. I think I think the visiting teams in the Summit League this year are going to be very uh, surprised and then hopefully somewhat concerned about what we can do here. So I don't have a timeline. Uh, I, I think, but I will tell you that it's possible. And you know, I'm I'm going to be 45 years old next month. I'm full of energy. I've got a unique experience in the Division One world. Now bringing it back to Division One after Division Three uh, after 10 years of Division Three. 
and uh, we're going to go for it. So I don't know when it's going to be, Dean, but we're, we're going to find a way. Well, finally, as you know, whether it's D3, D2, D1, United Soccer Coaches embraces everybody. We'll end with just your thoughts on what United Soccer Coaches has meant to you and your development. Oh, it's been huge. You know, I think I, I had a, we released our schedule on Friday, um, this past Friday. And I think the, the outpouring of support, you know, my phone was just going crazy with people so excited for us to do this at a division one level and, and to make the, to make the jump. And, um, you know, one, one of the messages was, was from Ian Barker, you know, where he just said, this is so fantastic. This is so good for soccer. This is so good for Minnesota. It's so good for the game. And, and then I look back at the lessons I've learned from so many of the people involved with the, with, with the association. I mean, it, they're, they're endless, whether it's, whether it's what I learned, you know, hanging out with Jay Martin down at Ohio Wesleyan or whether what it's what I learned with, you know, Jay Vitovich or Sam Koch or, you know, just, just so many great people over the years that have um, really helped me and help understand what, what, what I, what I'm capable of as a coach. And I think honestly, um, the, I think the strength of all of that put together gives me a ton of confidence to take this challenge on. So I'm really grateful for the, for the, for everyone involved with it. We're so excited for you, John Lowry. So many ties as well. And if I'm in Minnesota calling a Minnesota big 10 game on the big 10 network, I'm definitely going to look you up. Okay, coach. Yeah. I'll take good care of you, man. Get up here. All right. Awesome. John Lowry, Division One, St. Thomas men's soccer coach and in the Summit League. Thanks for being a part of what I think is a great United Soccer Coaches podcast this week. Thank you, coach. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dean. Good to see you. Great to see John Lowry. Great to see Becky Burley. Two great coaches, two great people. Speaking of great people, I want to thank Sean Chevro and Jonas Worth and Erica Dyer and Bailey Conklin and Jeff Van Dusen and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, the great members of United Soccer Coaches, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.